I'm Charles Coplin, and you are listening to Songscapes from Sustain, Music, and Nature. When your uncle was a member of Earth, Wind, and Fire, you were born with music in your blood. My guest, Kayla Marquis, is a singer-songwriter and multi-instrumentalist whose music is often inspired by the natural beauty that surrounds her. Nature, I think, growing up in Colorado um, has been a big influence on that because I, I don't have anything else to compare it to, but being able to experience the four seasons, sometimes all in one day, I think has a lot to do with, um, you know, my perception of things and how I kind of flow from one thing to the next. Um, I, I feel like I'm a very seasonal person. My mood, my attitude, um, the things I'm thinking about or feeling definitely change with the seasons as well. So that is really incorporated in my writing. And um, I started, <clears throat> excuse me, I started on piano. Not great, but uh, um, that's, that's what I was playing initially. And then eventually someone left a guitar at my house and <laughs> I just ended up uh, picking that up because I wanted to play outside. So a lot of my writing happens outside or in window seals you know, anything that helps me feel connected to nature, I think um, just makes me feel really grounded yet magical. So, you know, a lot of themes, and we'll get into left brain and right brain later, and a lot of your musical themes are, are sort of light and darkness. And you refer to your art form, and I love this term as cinematic storytelling. So, Back to Colorado and nature being your muse, can you talk about your creative process and how both your internal mood and the external seasonality of living in Colorado not just affects your writing, but your performance, your attitude kind of takes over your being as a creative person? Ooh, you're, you're giving me the deep questions. I yeah. don't get these questions yeah. a lot. We're going deep today. Um, yeah deep dive. Um, okay. Let me, <laughs> let me prepare myself for this answer. There's a lot of intersections, I think. Um, and sometimes my mood is mirror mirroring the weather outside. You know, it's a, like a foggy, rainy, drizzly day. I'll, I'll sit in my, um, like in my windowsill and, and kind of, that's my inspiration for writing, especially not being able to be around people and interaction. Um, and sometimes the, the external world helps me get out of these like internal ruts that I am in. Um, I'm constantly feeling something. It's honestly quite obnoxious. So <laughs> writing about it is, it feels like my only outlet. Do you feel that COVID has affected mm. the way all of this creativity gets regulated from, from external nature to internal emotional conflict? In so many ways. And I've gone through so many different waves of what that looks like. Initially, in the beginning, 
um, COVID was a huge, you know, surprise and a roadblock because I was planning to release and go on tour and do all of these things to promote the album and to connect with my fans. And obviously everything got canceled. And so that um, turned into what I felt like was a break, um, which I haven't had in a really long time. When you're a gigging musician, you know, that's how you live. That's how you eat. So it was a constant hustle, you know, from gig to gig, show to show, traveling, doing all of these things constantly. So I got to kind of take some time off, which was so, it was much needed. I didn't even realize how much I needed it. And then that break went into, <laughs> okay, um, this has been like nine months now. <laughs> <laughs> nine yeah, months really right yeah like what we're okay. done with this break um in that time where I was feeling pretty good about it I got to just create and really get back to uh, my instincts I think um because you know I've I don't know if everyone experiences this but I've gone through this process of I started making music because it's, it was my therapy I honestly had no intention really on this becoming a career it was just like I have so many things inside of me that I need to express. If I don't get them out, I'm going to self-destruct. Um, and so that's kind of where I started, which then developed into this like thing that people liked. And I was like, oh, okay. So like other people relate to this. That's great. Then that developed into um, a title and a thing that I identify with now as a singer songwriter. And then I got really caught up and like, oh, well now I have to fit this bill um and so honestly the like year before COVID I was really stressed out and kind of losing myself in the whole hustle of everything that I'd forgotten why I started writing and playing music to begin with so in that break I was able to kind of rediscover myself um from an artistic standpoint a creative standpoint and it was beautiful I had no social pressures um you know, nothing to really live up to, even releasing the album in quarantine, I thought was going to be not the best because I couldn't go out and play it live. But, you know, people had so much time on their hands to sit at home and listen to music. And I got a great response in it. Um, yeah, it just allowed me to kind of like fall back in love with my craft and create from a space that wasn't about how are people going to receive this? But just like, this is me. I want to write about this. I want to, I want to put this out and some stuff like I'm painting more now, like some, I'm just making stuff because I want to. Um, and now I'm just bored. So. <laughs> yeah, I I'm, I'm with you. I paint as well and, and it helps and I'm bored, but yeah, we're all ready to get out. Um, so the, the back to Colorado, and as it relates mm. to something like this, I'm on the East Coast. Right. And right now it's brutal because it's it's freezing cold. Right. We can't go anywhere. Um, it's a really different landscape outside. And obviously that rec regulates your emotions internally. So have you embraced, because this is a podcast about the intersection of music and nature, have you embraced the outdoors 
and the seasonality through the last year or so of this lockdown we're all experiencing in a way that it's really had a transformative effect on your writing, on your career outlook. That's specific to Colorado as as kind of this beautiful Yeah, I think so. Um, I haven't actually reflected on this, but now that you're mentioning it, it is pulling some things up for me. This was the first, so I've born and raised in Colorado, right? And I love going to parks and um, lakes and doing that kind of stuff, but I had never been camping except for at music festivals. <laughs> so this was the first year that I started going camping um, because I was really the only interaction we could have was outdoors. Um, and it was such a grounding and like spiritual experience and also just really fun. Um, so I think, you know, being able to kind of dive into more of Colorado's natural beauty um, in a way that I haven't, even though I'm from here, was really eye-opening and comforting um, during a time of isolation. And <clears throat> I think it has influenced, like, my paintings, the color palettes definitely mirror sunsets, sunrises, you know, those oranges and purples and yellows. Um, and I, I can tell I'm, I'm, I'm starting to write my next project. Um, and I can tell that those, I'm a, I'm a color person also very visual. So those, those colors are feeding into my writing. Um, and I don't want to talk too much about the next project that I'm working on, but maybe this will be a fun thing to go back and listen to and see if that matches up. But I'm, I'm working on like a dreamscape and I am using a lot of like Colorado sunset um, as inspiration for that space. Well, that's just a good excuse to have you on again when you release the next project. We can go back yeah. and talk about it. So I wanted to talk a little bit about your musical influences. I mean, it's in the genes. Uh, your uncle Larry Dunn was a member of Earth, Wind & Fire. He co-wrote Shining Star, which is an mm -hmm. amazing song. I don't have to tell you that. So how uh, were you influenced by him, by the music that was in your home, by your own sort of internal compass? Yeah, well, I grew up um, on a, a lot of different genres of music. Um, my mom was big into Christian and gospel. My dad was uh, always playing jazz and blues. And then my sister, um, who is also a phenomenal musician, who I got a lot of my taste from, honestly, um, she went to school for music, so um, I got the, the classical side, but also like the 90s rap and R&B. And then, you know, growing up with a, a legend, I had no idea at the time. I just thought it was cool, you know, Uncle Larry's in town, we're sitting around the piano, playing songs, singing, you know, at Christmas or whatever. So I was always, always surrounded by music. Um, and just all different types of music. Um, and then I have my own, I really like um, music that's not from America. One of my favorite artists now that I listen to is Rosalia. She's from Spain. Um, Strome, who's from Belgium, and that's all in French. So I really am just a fan of expression.
and however that comes out. And I think that definitely is a big influence because my my music just evolves as I grow and my sound is going to continue to do that because I'm going to continue to change. And the next project that I mentioned, I already know is going to have a very different sound than brain chemistry. Well, you know, I'd ask you about that, but you're, you're keeping that under wraps for the moment, which is yeah, cool. I get, the creative new, pro- yeah. I get the creative process, but going back to the musical influences, I'm curious, and it's kind of a two part question. Uh, were there particular specific artists when you were younger that really made an impact? And then today, you mentioned a lot of international artists, some artists that aren't as mainstream. How do you find those those artists? Okay. Uh, I'm going to answer the second question because it just popped into my head. I find a lot of the music I listen to from dancers and DJs, like 90% of the music I listen to. I love the dance world and the dance culture. I think they are just, they're musicians and they're athletes. And I think that is such a beautiful combination. And then them being able to tell the story with their body. My sister was also a dancer and a dance teacher. So I spent a lot of time, you know, just kind of tagging along with her to this dance studio and just watching and, um, that's become a normal thing for me. So I hang out with dancers when my best friends is a dancer. So I'm around that community a lot and I just absorb all of the music that they're listening to. Um, and then the first question, you know what? I grew up, I don't even know if this is appropriate anymore, but I grew up listening to Michael Jackson Um that was the the first the first artist I can remember listening to at the age of four. I had all of these cassette tapes. I had this um, VHS called his movie called Moonwalker. Uh, I mean, I don't I don't think I'm anything really like Michael Jackson, but I just found him to be such a magical being and. Um, not not just a performer or an entertainer, but like a real artist. He had his his hand in every creative thing that he did. Um, so that was one of my biggest things that I remember as a young, young child. Well, I think it goes without saying he was a phenomenal and, and, and very big influence on a lot of music of the 20th mm-hmm. and 21st century. It's undeniable. Mm-hmm. Uh, the The creation of music you had mentioned earlier about playing the guitar your uncle was a keyboard player but you bill yourself as a multi-instrumentalist uh so which makes me think that you play more than maybe keyboards and guitar do you play other instruments as well okay but that's still multi keyboard and guitar is still multi so um going back to what we were talking about earlier with the pandemic and and the guitar being something you can take out of the house and play while looking at the mountains or what have you. Are you writing songs on one or the other instrument? What, what's sort of your go-to for the guitar as opposed to your go-to for the piano? I think it's just been where I'm at in life. Uh, my first album was heavily all written on piano. And then, you know, that's, when I started picking up guitars, so brain chemistry was all guitar 
I wrote all of those songs on guitar, I think. And now I'm, I've missed piano. I've neglected it because I've been so um, enamored by the guitar and I've realized that I actually kind of miss it. So I'm getting back to playing that now. I'm very rusty, but it's happening. <laughs> it's like riding a bike. So when you, when you are writing songs on a particular instrument, mm-hmm. in terms of the demos, how are you creating in your mind and then taking it into the studio, which sounds and instrumentation you want to use off of what were the stripped down demos? Mm. Um, so the, my process is pretty um, consistent across both projects that I've done so far, uh, where I'll start on either guitar or piano um, and just have like a basic chord product, uh, progression. And then I'll add lyrics and melody sometimes after, sometimes simultaneously. I guess it just depends on how it's flowing. And then I will take that. I don't, I don't really record it. I'll record like a voice memo on my phone just so I don't forget the melody um, or the words. And then I will go into uh, my studio. I record at the spot um, here in Colorado in Evergreen. And my producer, Glenn Sawyer, who is a wizard, um, I'll just play him the song and we'll record a scratch track, usually with piano or guitar, do some scratch vocals on top of that, and then uh, start start building the instrumentation. I I excuse me, I had some ideas for the, for brain chemistry already. Like I kind of knew what I wanted it to sound like, but I also really wanted to leave room to experiment. So we experimented more on brain chemistry. Um, and then knowing like, Oh, this, this sound needs to go here, except for, I would say random things like there needs to be an ocean sound or a transformer voice in this song. I'm very random like that. Um, but now I have, I'm, I'm really constructing more of a vision. Um, and so I, I do know that I want like, I want horns in this section or I, I want to add strings in this section. And so I just tell my producer and we kind of, um, sometimes things work instantly and it's like, yeah, that's it. Sometimes we spend two hours on something and then have to scrap it and start over because it just didn't sound right. It's, but that's the fun of being in the studio to me because I I got my start in live performance um, before I, I didn't get in the studio, I think, for like five years. Um, and so I've always been kind of a, you know, got to be perfect type of thing, always, always having to be polished in performance. And the studio is really where you can play and try new stuff. Do you think that because of the isolationism, of COVID that it has and will affect your approach to the studio. And what I mean by that is you haven't been able to get that live performance muscle out there for a while. How do you think that's going to affect your process and your mindset when you are in the studio or how, how has it affected it? I've gotten more comfortable in the studio because like I said, I didn't start that way. Um, and I have more live experience than studio experience. So it's been a 
already a journey for me to get to like gain some footing in the studio. Um, and I'm honestly, I'm a bit worried that I'm going to become more used to that than being in a live setting, but nothing compares to the live setting. Like you, you, you'll never have the same experience on stage twice. Um, and I guess that could be for anything, but you know, you'll never have the same audience members. You'll never have that exact same energy. You might play the same venue over and over, but it's going to be a different experience. Um, and so I'm really missing that. And I am hoping that I don't forget how to do that or how to enjoy it. I'm a very anxious person and I think too much. <laughs> so I myself am worried that when we go back to live after really, I haven't played a, a real concert um, for a year. My last concert was last February 28th for Black History Month. Um, yeah, so uh, <laughs> it's a very strange thing. And I hope that it doesn't serve severely affect our ability to interact with one another in regular life as well because i feel like things have gotten more awkward yeah i think that's that's a very profound concern of a lot of people that are performers or even teachers or people that were in a room however large a concert hall it's it's something that we all were so familiar with and mm -hmm. now it's something that we wonder when we go back to re-entry. I, I, my theory is I think everybody comes back anxious or not with so much more carpe diem and so much more, oh, just fuck it. Well, we're just going to do it. But you still want to have the discipline and the, the confidence and all that other stuff. But um, yeah, it's, it's a strange one, right? I think it's going to be a big adjustment. It was a huge adjustment to go from – this very distracting, overstimulating life to uh, learning to be by yourself. Um, and I think it, that's a rude awakening, especially for people who are constantly surrounded by people. I'm an introvert myself and I, um, I enjoy alone time, but even, you know, this started to get to me also the isolation. Like I usually need to be alone to recharge. Now I'm like, God, I just, want to feel some other energy. I'm so sick of being in my head and in my house. Um, so I think it is going to be a massive adjustment because with that, after spending so much time alone and in isolation and then going back into, you look at things differently. Your, per, your perception has changed and I think your awareness has changed. I personally am a bit hyper aware um, and that's just an uncomfortable space to be in. So... To answer your question, <laughs> I'm nervous about it. Stay with us. When we return, Kayla shares her origin story. Hi, I'm Betsy. And I'm Harrison. We're the co-founders of Sustain Music and Nature. Sustain is a nonprofit that makes music a force for nature. By tapping into the emotional power of music and cultural sway of artists, we engage new audiences with their environment. 
check out Sustain Music in Nature on social media to see our public land music videos and learn about upcoming concerts in the great outdoors. My guest is Kayla Marquis. Her most recent release is Brain Chemistry, and she shared why school was not for her. I didn't want to go to school. I didn't want to. I hated school. Um, and the only class, in fact, that I liked my senior year was choir. I hopped in that class my senior year because I needed an elective. Um, I was like, my sister was like, yeah, you can kind of like, you can hold a note. This will be easy for you. You know, no one wants to do extra stuff in your senior year. You have senioritis trying to go to as least classes as possible. And that was the class that I really ended up enjoying. And so when I went to CSU, I'm studying psychology, didn't want to go. Um, that was the only school I applied to. Was kind of bummed I got in, actually. <laughs> That's a bad sign. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's, you know, it was what I was expected to do. And what did I know? I was 18. So I was just like, whatever. Uh, I went and there was a food drive. Um, Black Student Alliance had thrown a talent show food drive. So you brought some, like some canned food for the homeless and it was accompanied by a talent show. Very, I don't know, kind of a weird pairing, but I went and I ended up singing a song, half of a song, acapella, just because I was like, I kind of miss singing. I, I kind of want to do this. Uh, and so I did it. And I remember specifically um, this, this guy in there was crying. And he came up to me afterwards and was just like, you really touched me. And I, I thought it was strange. Um, and, but it, it just, that's something that has sat with me for, for a long time. I don't think I'll ever forget it. And I was like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm not supposed to be, I wasn't even going to class. I was giving my like eye clicker or whatever to one of my friends so they could click me in for attendance, studying on my own, passing the tests, you know, getting really good grades. I just, I don't, I don't like the institution. Um, and I just was like, I'm not going to make a difference doing this. I wanted to be, I thought I wanted to be a therapist or I actually wanted to work with like criminally, um, insane, like serial killers. Um, but I didn't want to be in school anymore. And I didn't want to be in school for like eight to 12 more years to get my PhD to do that. And so I just decided that I should try singing. Um, and it was a very impulsive decision that wasn't necessarily very supported. Um, initially, I mean, my parents were like, okay, you know, but I think they were disappointed and they were hurt because all of a sudden I wanted to be a singer songwriter, you know, what are you going to do, Kayla? I don't, I'm going to write songs like, okay, what? You have, this is what is what are you talking about and after after I left CSU I was in a depression for months and my sister gave me this movie to watch called once uh, 
which is like a modern day musical. And I watched this movie and was just at something in that like woke me up out of this funk. And I was like, I, I can write. I, I started writing songs immediately after that, after watching that. And I haven't stopped since. Yeah, that was a Broadway show too, I believe. Yeah, it was. And, and uh, yeah, I think I might have seen it. Um, it was so raw. So, yeah, yeah. I too, uh, I left school when I was a freshman. I went back, but I know, I know that feeling of like I don't belong here. And it sounds like you know the moment with the guy crying. That was that was a magical moment. So you, so you're out of school, and then and I love the name of this group, straight nerdy like a, <laughs> a school kid, a and cool you're kid. the lead. A cool kid. Sorry. Sorry. I had that. Yeah. My bad. And um, you're the lead singer. So how did it feel to be with a group? Um, safe. <laughs> it felt so much safer because I was just out playing like, you know, crappy little holes in the wall down Colfax and uh, playing by myself to a bunch of people who were already drunk or didn't really care and um was like i need i need some connection so i started this band and this is like a really rebellious phase that i was in also still you know in my adolescence 18 19 um and it was an alternative rock band which is not my voice at all <laughs> but um yeah it was just fun like i needed that moment I cringe listening back to some of our recordings nowadays, but um, that was a huge part of of me and my life and like my my road to where I am now. And so I have so much appreciation for a straight nerdy that gained me a lot of traction, um, and also just a community of people who accepted me. You know, like. I wasn't, I wasn't judged for who I was in that time. I was really embraced and that gave me a lot of confidence just to feel that kind of love and acceptance was really important for me at the time. It also sounds like it validated your decision to leave school and, and become an artist. A bit. Yeah. I mean, I, as much as I appreciate that time, it was also a, a bit of a, you know, I was just young and reckless. And so I, I didn't really have a goal or an end goal or um, really anything in mind. It was just kind of like, now I'm doing what I want. But I was also partying and drinking heavily and doing wild things. All right. Well, let's jump a few years ahead if I've got my chronology okay. right. So in 2016, you released mm. Live and Die Like This. But now you're a solo artist. And then if we even go to 2019, you're teaching at a Montessori school. And then you decide to leave that behind and go full time. And then there's COVID, which we've talked about. So that, that <laughs> yeah. sort of period where you're kind of um, finding your way before we got to this last year, what, what was that kind of like to have that release and then go back full time job like what was going on in your head? Because it sounds a little bit similar to what was going through your head when you were in college, which is, you know, am I going full full boat artist here or am I sort of playing it a little bit safer? Right. 
Uh, well, I had always worked nine to fives. I, I never really had an odd job type of thing. Um, and education is a big part of, even though I dropped out of college, um, education and the youth is a big part of my life and in my mission as an artist. I want to um, just kind of bring some some light energy to that whole realm. And I felt like I had a lot to learn. So I started working at this Montessori school um, because I like the curriculum and I like kind of what they stand for. Um, and I wanted to learn that because eventually, I don't know, I have a lot of ideas, maybe opening my own kind of school that's arts centered, you know? Um, but yeah, so I, I worked with this school and there's a lot that I could say about this experience, but long story short, I, I learned what I wanted to learn and I was just so busy. I mean, I was going from work sometimes at 7 a.m. Um, and not getting done till five. My usual hours were su supposed to be two to five because uh, I was just an after school person, but then I started taking on a, a bigger role there and I was just wearing myself out because then I was going from there to, you know, a show and then having to change in the bathroom and then staying all night at my show till two o'clock in the morning and then having to get up super early to go back and uh, be in a classroom full of toddlers. And it just, I couldn't sustain it. It was taking a big toll on my mental wellness, my physical wellness and it was just like a, a a breaking point for me where I was like Kayla if you really want to do this you got to let go of your safety net um and I did so I took that plunge head first into a pandemic <laughs> all right but 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 you've you've been doing some pretty cool things you had right brain, left brain mm -hmm. that came out this past year. And I know that, that those records deal with mental health issues, with introspection, mm -hmm. with working with trauma. And each record is kind of a, an emotional yeah. juxtaposition from the other. So can you talk a little bit about what was behind those two records as sort of one, one yeah. kind of two uh, halves so the, of the, the whole. whole project is called Brain Chemistry. And I... I had been writing brain chemistry for years. Um, very transitional point in my life where I started seeing a therapist and just really started to heal from some of my childhood traumas and, you know, some of the nightmares that I've gone through just as a human being and, um, having some addiction issues, cigarettes, alcohol. And so I had really started to just go on this healing journey and brain chemistry was my testament, I suppose. Um, yeah, so I, I, I wrote that and recorded it over the course of like four years, I guess, um, and released it this year, or 2020, sorry, because... 
Well, it was, one for one, it was ready, but I also was ready to let it go. I was very consciously aware that I was ready to move out of this chapter of my life. It was, it was dark. It was a dark space. Um, healing isn't always comfortable. Um, yeah. And so I, I, th- I, it's interesting the timing in which it did happen because I wanted to release it earlier. Um, but I'm really thankful that it happened in 2020 because I think with other people being at home and being isolated, this was a piece of art that people could really now have the time to sit down and be with and listen to and introspect and reflect within themselves based on the music. Um, yeah. So another thing that I'm really grateful for how it happened, even though that wasn't initially my plan. And because we're so focused on nature, you are, this podcast is, I couldn't help but notice that the water images and the jellyfish cover on both of the records as part of the brain chemistry project. Mm -hmm. What was your inspiration and the reason you made the decision to have the water images and I'm calling it a jellyfish. I don't want to get it wrong, but it's a lot of people like, called it a jellyfish. Yeah. I said that when I first saw it too. Shout out to uh, my graphic designer, Zach Huser. He is fantastic. Um, basically, I just come to him with all my crazy ideas. I told him I have this album uh, called Brain Chemistry. It's split between left brain and right brain, and I want two separate covers so that you can tell that they're two different bodies. Um, and I gave him a color palette for each side and kind of just let him run with that. I told him I wanted it to be a brain. Here are the colors here. I want it to be a brain and for it to say right brain and left brain on each side. And that's what he came back to me with on the first draft. Yeah, it's great. It's beautiful. So the water that I'm talking about is really the fluid in our own in our own brains, right? I talk about water a lot. Water is my favorite element. And I think uh, just water is just fundamental. Water is life. And so I, I, it's in a lot of my songs and a lot of my lyrics. It's in a ton of my imagery. Um, it's just, it's always going to be there. I see it as the most powerful force that there is because it can take on you know, so many different forms. It can be liquid, it can be gas, it can be ice. Um, it can be a hurricane, which is one of my songs on there. It can be a tsunami. It can feed um, your garden and your plants and your body. And I'm a bit, I'm a big fan of water. So I, I try to acknowledge it as a form of gratitude in everything that I do. Now, really bringing us up to date, I just want to talk for a minute about the Grand Alliance. And uh, you're back in a group, not exclusive to your solo career, but you're back in a group. And I know that's centered in a lot of ways on the African-American experience and Afrofuturism. So what was your reason for joining those two gentlemen? And and what are some of the messages and the creative... uh, impressions that you're trying to get across? Uh, It was a really organic process. I've known Khalil 
he's one of my best friends. He worked on Live and Die, who's a co-producer on that album. And um, Carl, I had met when I was in Straight Nerdy, like a cool kid. We played on the same show once and just had kind of been friends since then. Uh, and he has a studio called Phaser Labs. And um, I, again, wow, now that I'm talking about this, I'm realizing this like stretch of just darkness I went through. My dad had passed away in August of 2018, unexpectedly, just horrible. Is it is it's one of the worst things I'd ever gone through. Um, and, and still I'm working through that grief. Um, but so I had ended up r running away to Europe for a bit just cause I needed to get out of here. Um, and it, it so happened that it was in October. So, you know, a little bit after my dad's passing and I was in Berlin and France for two months, roughly, I came back home in, you know, midwinter, depressing, dark and cold. And I just was having a really hard time. And Carl had actually put a Facebook status up like, Hey, I'm in town. If anyone's trying to get in the studio. And the thing that's funny about this is that Carl is never in town. <laughs> he's, you know, he DJs as well. So he's always, um, somewhere DJing. Uh, so I just kind of responded like, yo, um, let's do this. Cause we have talked about us making something together for, a, for years. Like, let's make it happen. And Khalil saw it and was like, you know, bring me out to come. So we end up just going out to the studio one day and, um, playing around. I think we just all were kind of in a tough spot mentally and emotionally and just needed some, friend time and uh some time to just like create and so we made our first single that day which we didn't know that was going to be our single but wrote recorded produced a whole song took it to the club played it that night and we went back uh like every week or so and just kept pumping out stuff and it was like you know it was just really good therapy and then we realized well maybe we should make this a thing because I think people would really benefit from this music. Um, and also just in our time bonding, realized that we're all kind of into sci-fi and uh, weird little magical folklore and stuff. And we obviously have, you know, we're all black. And so it was just a very organic bond. And the story really created itself. It was such a tumultuous year in this country in terms of race relations to you, did mm -hmm. you put some of that into this music or was it more of a kind of a celebration? Like where, where does it fit in terms of feeling the importance of, of this topic? Right. Um, so I think I just want to say that we made majority of the album before 2020 and I don't, I think that is still important. Every, I just, and not saying that you're implying anything, but I just want to like make a statement that everything that black people do is not a political response and is not a response to whiteness. Um, we were making the funk before 2020 and 
Um, I think it just, it was meant to happen. It aligned with this year or this past year because that's when it needed to come out to give people some joy and something to celebrate. Um, and we and the we did end up making three songs in during 2020, which was um, United Funk, which is you know about it's a celebration song. You know, come together, unite, power to the people. And then we also made Stranger Things, which is a little bit of a different. It's more kind of speaking on the, on the things that were happening in the world and saying that, you know what, we're not going to back down. We're here. This is our story. And not take it or leave it, but you're going to take it because we matter. And, um, we, and then we made Grand Rising, which... Um, is more of a is more of a meditation actually. Uh, it's something to kind of calm your nervous system because black people are facing so much unrest and trauma from you know the past in this country that it, I think it is important for us as people, not just us as artists, but as people to find um, some internal regulation and to start healing each other in our community. So those are the three songs that we uh, did make in 2020. Um, Not necessarily as a response to what was going on, but it was just truthfully how we were feeling. And do you have plans to continue to record together? Are you more going back now to your solo or is there a balance between the two? There's gonna be a balance, yeah. Uh, Grand Alliance is just getting started. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that today. We actually have like a record signing, um, and a little live stream that's going to be on air. So yeah, we're really just getting the ball rolling on this thing. And I'm excited because I think there's a lot of musical influence, um, that has proven to uplift people in the music that we're making. And that's what, um, we need. It's fun. You know, as much as it is um, resistance music, protest music, it also is just for the soul. And Afrofuturism is just, you know, it's a place for Black people to exist because so often we are written out of um, the history and the present and the future. And so this is just, this is our experience. This is our story. It, it, It exists. Well, I look forward to the live double bill, if you're inclined to do it, where it's Grand Alliance and it's you and you're back in front of an audience, which I'm sure yeah. you will slay. We were going to do that before COVID happened. That was that was a, a show that was canceled for March. It, it was me and Grand Alliance and another really dope group, Ramakandra. Um, so yeah, I think I think it'll happen. It is going to happen. It's going to be epic. Mm-hmm. Uh, one more yeah. question, which I'm going to ask all our guests, and it's a tough one. Is there a song Uh-oh. by someone else or by yourself, but it may be easier for someone else, that really captures the spirit of nature or the environment to you in an uplifting way? Could be the lyrics, Ooh. could be the music, but just something that really connects with the environment. Okay, I have to think about this for a second. 
There's a song. Okay, dang it. Now I'm stuck. I'm going to say two. There's a song uh, by Banks called Warm Water um, that just feels so visceral. I feel like when you're listening to it, the production and the lyrics actually make you feel like you are submerged and just held by the water. And then the old jazz standard, I don't know who originally sang it, um, but Autumn Leaves, because that just creates this picture. Fall is my favorite season. It's a, it's a sad, sad song, but it's, it's beautiful and you can just really imagine the scenery. Singer, songwriter, Kayla Marquis. For more on Kayla, go to her Instagram and Facebook at I am Kayla Marquis and her website, kaylamarquis.com. Her new album, Brain Chemistry and The Grand Alliance, are on all streaming services. I'm Charles Copland, and this is Songscapes, brought to you by Sustain Music and Nature. For more, go to sustainmusicandnature.org.